We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yo, what up, guys? It's time to talk about my bookie. You know they're our favorite sponsor here on the show. Been riding with us for months and months now. Uh, it's a great site. And I just want to say, just because the Super Bowl is over, uh, football is behind us, that doesn't mean uh, the fun's going to end on my bookie. In fact, it's just getting started. We're talking about NBA, NCAA basketball, NHL, got golf in there. We got MLB coming up. Tons of different stuff you can bet on on my bookie. Uh, and now's the time to, to get started with our promo code Shark25. Let me tell you, if you sign up with our code, you're gonna get a 50% deposit match on deposits of $100 or more. You're gonna get $25 bonus cash. Ton of great deals for you, and most importantly, gonna be helping us out here on the show. Um, you know, I wouldn't be telling you about my bookie if it wasn't a site that I personally use, and I do. I love my bookie. Uh, it's super easy. Uh, they got great odds on everything on there. Uh, go check out the line for an old Miss game, you know, whatever one's coming up. Um, you know, Kermit covering a lot of lines earlier in the season, been a little bit rougher uh, last couple of weeks as we're going to talk about on the show tonight. But hey, just remember uh, who you bet on, just as important as where you're betting. And that's why my bookie is the place for you. Um, so, like I said, join now, use our code SHARK25, get all those great deals. Uh, and it's that simple, guys. At my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, now I want to talk to you about Ticks Blitz, our uh, our newest friend here on the show. Um, they're the official ticket provider of the Armchair Media Network. Unlike other ticketing providers that sneak in extra fees and unexplained service charges, at Ticks Blitz, the price you see is the price you pay. And let me tell you, that is so annoying with other big services. I I might have mentioned it before, but we went to see Old Miss here at the Coliseum in Jackson. I think it was Ticketmaster selling the tickets. They were advertising them for like $6 or $8 or something. I was like, wow, what a great deal. Go through, you know, get to payment, check out. And of course, after all the added service fees, actually, what, like $22, $25. So, yeah, that makes more sense. But it's just deceptive advertising. I hate that. Unnecessary fees shouldn't prevent you from seeing the sporting event, concert, or Broadway show of your choosing. So go to TixBlitz.com, enter promo code ARMCHAIR at checkout to receive 5% off your total ticket purchase. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com, promo code ARMCHAIR. TixBlitz, guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotions. Okay, let's get on to the show. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your bi-weekly dispatch from the dystopian reality that is Ole Miss Athletics. I'm your host, Justin Sanders, joining me tonight. Just like every week, I got my co-host, John Stefanczyk, on the line. Uh, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Um, trying not to get blown over up here in New Hampshire. Apparently, we're in a 
75 mile an hour wind warning today. That sounds a little windy. Yep. Uh, was it like <clears throat> you like hear that as like howling winds all the time, or you just walk outside and you you up against it? If you hear, if you get a big big gust the right way, you definitely hear. Uh-huh. It. Sure, sure. So, kind of got everything all. Interesting riding around limbs and whatnot. Looks like all the airports are fine except for LaGuardia and Newark. I'm sitting here. Huh. I was looking at the weather channel on. Apparently, it's too windy to like. They can only go use one one runway at LaGuardia, so they're hmm. backed up three hours. That doesn't sound fun. Uh, well, at least you're inside recording a podcast. Nothing to worry about. Works out well, but um. Fraternity brother of ours, John Barber, visited this weekend. Right, you're telling me. We went to, we, we thought it'd be a wonderful idea. Let's go to Acadia in February. This is Acadia, this, what, what state is that in? Bar Harbor, Bar Harbor, Maine. Okay, that's what I thought. We'll park on Mount Desert Island to get all exact. Please. And basically, long, really, I've been in the summer. It's stunningly beautiful. I mean, it was quite nice in the winter. It's interesting. Most of it's closed in the winter. Yeah. Most of the town shut down in the winter, uh-huh. but it was pretty interesting. Um, it was uh, mid thirties sunny, which is about as nice as you can hope for, for February. Sure. Yeah. Central Maine. So that was really, it was a pretty interesting trip to go see it in that state. Um, and then we stayed Saturday night in Bangor, which we're wondering what the hell is significant about Bangor. That's where Stephen King is from. Still lives ah, there. Okay. Um, kind of appropriate for the town. So anyway, so we got up early Saturday, went up, rode around the part of the park that was open, did that, got our riding around in, ate lunch and everything. It's like a big national park, or what are we talking? It's a, yeah, it's a national park. So it's like, like like wooded. What's the landscape like? Uh, coat. It's. Island on the coast, but got a lot of woods. Kind of a, a little bit of a combination of everything. Sounds Cadillac, nice. Cadillac Mountain sits on it. it goes up fifteen hundred feet. Okay. Got a hell of a hell of a view of a harbor. Just um, one, one, really one of the about as pretty of a coastline as you'll ever run into. If you're up there in the summer in the right weather, it's really, really, really phenomenal. So that's pretty. Um, really yeah. I mean, everybody goes and checks it out once, July, August. <laughs> yeah, that would make more sense. Yep, exactly. Um, so we go, we stayed in Bangor, had a, had enough points for a free room. We we're sitting there, took a little nap, and thinking to ourselves, okay, what's our, um, you know, what do we want for dinner? And we're like, we, we come to the conclusion we want a hibachi, which okay. is like a, you know, hibachi in Bangor, Maine. How complicated can this be? Okay. We go. And it's literally a two-hour wait. For <laughs> like it, we walk in, it smelled it smelled excellent, but it was, I mean, one it, of the only places open in town or something. Yeah, well, no, it was a lot of places open, so it was, so that was packed. It was in the parking lot of a Walmart. Nice. We were driven by a Chick Fil A to get there. I was like, hell, are we in South Haven or are we in Bangor? <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously, I couldn't tell the damn difference. <laughs> we do that, so it's like, all right, what else? Well, there's this, there's this kind of local Mexican place that's popular, like Mexican and Maine. Like, that's come on, we we got to come up with something. But anyway, fine, we'll go check that out. 
it's an hour wait to go there. So it's like, shit, you know, what is, what is the deal here? I mean, it's 730 Saturday, but it's February. Yeah, it's but not it's like, not the busy time. Yeah. Anyway, sort of like, you know what? Chili's. I mean, just at this point, we're ready to eat. Walk uh-huh. into Chili's. It's packed, but there's a couple of open seats at the bar. So we just head to the bar uh-huh. sit down. Um, I'd say an above average Chili's meal. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Chili's fan. You get some campfire queso. We got a. I'm a fan. We got the chip, regular chips and salsa. Okay. I got this. It was pretty damn good. What'd you um, get? What'd you order? I got the steak fajitas. Oh yeah, you know this. The, I think Chili's like invented that whole sizzling fajitas thing for like, uh, like it's a marketing thing. They originally it was a Tex-Mex restaurant back in the day. Now it's kind of much mm, more. But the whole thing about bringing like sizzling fajitas to the table and creating a spectacle that was like a like a marketing ploy. Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds right. I believe yeah. it. Well, at least apocryphally. I mean, I've I've heard that many times, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to fact check on this show. Come on, we're going to anyway, we're going to say whatever we want. Sounds like a viable rumor. Yeah, I'll take it. Anyway, so eat that, and we're at the bar. Bartender was way above any expectations we had walking in. We were very pleased with that from a from a scenery perspective. Um. And TV wise, they've got NFL Network on center stage. So then the so the first half of the Memphis Express Orlando Apollo game was on, nice, which was pretty hilarious. Uh, Alabama Vanderbilt was on ESPN two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nesson and Hockey East, uh, Northeastern was playing New Hampshire. That's more what I expected for Bangor, Maine. Right. Um. And they had Golf Channel on the corner. It's pretty interesting. And it was a pretty interesting group of people reminiscing about high school football days, lack of grit in society. What? I mean, pretty damn funny. So Classic. Well, yeah, it really sounds like you mostly got the South Haven experience in, in Bangor, Maine. But we had it with the Bangor, Maine accents and context. So. <laughs> and, uh, and, and low temperatures and, exactly. and snow on the ground. Huh. It was good. Well, it sounds like a good trip. Yeah, drove back yesterday. Stopped at L.L. Bean. Nice. Barb figured out what size what size he needs for his what size he needs for his next pair of Bean boots. So, so for a while those boots were like there were there was like a wait to get them right, but now they're much more widely available. Is that right? Am I am I wrong? Yeah. I thought. Well, what time of the year you order them? If you ah. order them for like an idiot, you have to wait three months. Mm. If you order them in like July, typically it's not a big wait. That so. makes sense. Okay, so these are some these are some uh, New Englander tips from from John here on the show. When I started grad school in Boston, I ordered mine when I got there, and they showed up in the same week. Everybody else was like, "It's three month wait." I'm like, "Well, that's your fault for not planning ahead." So that's what they get. That's what they get. Well, do- much to discuss. Uh, mostly down here in the the warmer climbs. Uh, although it's been it, it's been warmer, but first of all, the weather's been very erratic. Lots of temperature changes, and it's been incredibly rainy. Uh, and that does kind of tie into uh, what I'm referencing here. We didn't talk last week, but Ole Miss did have a series in baseball against Wright State. Ended up playing two of the three games uh, thanks to weather. And they did play at Tulane this past weekend. Uh, lots of basketball has been played as well. Um, that we'll get into. Well, which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about baseball. Um, actually, I don't care. You pick. I don't care. Yeah, let's talk about baseball. Uh, as you, I mean, as as everyone knows, I guess baseball uh, wins and losses this time of the year. 
not super important. It's really more about figuring what you got, um, kind of making things work. For Ole Miss right now, uh, it's about making sure that people are healthy when the actual games come around. Specifically, Will Etheridge, the the kind of staff ace, he, he played against Wright State, did not play against Tulane, has a blister. Uh, not sure if he's going to play this upcoming weekend against Long Beach and Oxford, but uh, no reason to, you know, you know, rush that or anything like that. You know, play, play some other guys, get some other guys starting experience. Um, but I, I think if there's anything to be worried about with the team, it's definitely been pitching so far, specifically probably starting pitching uh, back against Wright State. They they split the series one and one, looked good. That first game with Etheridge on the mound, uh, the offense has pretty much has pretty much delivered in every game so far this season, so we'll get to that in a second. But uh, Zach Phillips, junior college pitcher, started game two, just kind of got shelled really. Um, and I'm forgetting there was somebody else came in after him. I'm forgetting who it was. It was, uh, one of the relievers did not look good. Uh, not sure we've seen him since then. I could pull it up, but I'm too lazy to at the moment. Uh, so that was, that was a problem. They, they tried to make a comeback. Just wasn't enough. Um, they beat Arkansas state in the midweek, scored a lot of runs, uh, went down the two lane. I think that, so I, I really am interested, John, to see. Uh, in a few months, what Tulane's record is, kind of where their RPI sits, because yeah, it's Tulane and they're kind of a rebuilding program, but they seem to have a pretty potent offense at least. Um, they they out hit Ole Miss in every game, which you know can be an indictment of the pitching as well. But Ole Miss pitching for the most part got it done when they had to. Uh, they won game one and three. Uh, offense looked good in all three games as well. But like I said, Tulane was just just kind of raking down there in their own park. But uh, they they lost game two, but really it was going back and forth the whole time. Neither team could really put up any competent pitching. Uh, I think Houston Ross started that game after Phillips got moved up to game one in Etheridge's absence. Uh, Gunnar Hoagland has pitched the third. Well, he didn't pitch. He didn't pitch, obviously, in game three against Wright State, which got canceled. But he did start that Tuesday game against Arkansas State. Looked okay. Uh, a little background, if you don't remember, Gunnar Hoagland the guy that got drafted in the first round uh, decided to come to college anyway. He had like no walks in high school, really low ERA. Obviously, that's going to change when you get up to the to the college level. Um, he's still he's still feeling it out. I think he has a ton of potential, of course. I think the question with him is is he a little too hittable? You know, no walks isn't necessarily a great thing. You don't always want to be in the zone, especially as you're going up against better hitting. So we're gonna see with him. Um, he he did okay. Uh, in game three against Tulane. And then I was really impressed with some of the bullpen against Tulane in that game three. Um, the, let's see, Connor Green, probably the best game of his career. He got some big outs. He came in with like no outs or one out and men on first and third and like a one-run game. Actually, a, a game I think Ole Miss was losing because Green ended up getting the win. Uh, and then there was a there's a junior college guy named Myers that followed him up, Caleb Hill. We've seen a little bit of the freshman. He's looked good. And then Doug Nikhazy closed it out. Um, and he, he has a ton of potential. He's a freshman as well. Whether it's as a starter or reliever, I think he's going to be really good for Ole Miss. He's a lefty. Um, so the, another question mark still, Parker Caracy, he looked really good. In game one against Tulane, closed it out. Uh, he did give up the, the walk-off home run in game two, but like I said, that one was so back and forth. Um, you know, the, the wind was blowing out. just one of those days. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what Parker's going to be like this year just yet, but obviously I had expectations for him. Somebody that's living up to expectations so far, Thomas Dillard, National Player of the Week, I think. Uh, just insane offensively so far. I think in the last week he went something like 7-for-17, um, three home runs, a triple, a double. 
12, 13 RBIs, I want to say. I think he had he had like seven or eight RBIs just in that one game, too, and the wind was blowing out in two lanes. So just completely on fire, batting fourth roll miss right now, helping out Keenan and other guys around him. Uh, I think he's going to be fun to watch. I mean, obviously, if you watched it over the last two years, you know that he probably the best hitter on the team in a lot of different ways and he's putting it all together right now. I mean, he has really good back control. He takes a lot of pitches, uh, and when he barrels one up, it goes a, a really long way. So the, the, some bright spots for Ole Miss for sure as well. I think the non-con is going to – there's going to be a lot more to learn and, and see with this team still. So I don't know. That's kind of your, your first two-week report from my end. Um, I, I'm not panicking. I know some people we know are, namely – Wes and Dean been all in, all in on the fire Bianco train since they lost that game to Wright State. So you know you can see what you want with this team. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I haven't seen a pitch, but so I mean, go read all. Anybody really wants content can go somewhere else than listen to me on this. But here's my two cents. That's a great opener. Go on. Yeah, exactly. That's what what's what you listen for. Yeah. But here's my two cents. I've watched so many Bianco teams start great uh-huh. and then get tight midseason and then kind of fester out. And frankly, they seem they've, they've had this issue, 14 being the exception of being regular season Warriors, and then postseason doesn't work out. Uh-huh. This group, I just, I just assume let them lose a few games. Well, I mean – I'm okay. They lose a couple games. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter. But Last year, State mean, lost plenty of games. They went to Omaha and Ole Miss won a shitload of games, and they got bounced by Tennessee Tech. So the regular season is just the regular season. I mean, this team to me more so than probably I'd say any other Ole Miss team in a while. I'd say approach the re- the regular season is to get ready for the postseason, mm-hmm. whatever that entails. Get figure out who your pitching options are. They get, so this. What's the guy's name? Doug Nikhazy? Yeah, must... the, the freshman is looking good. Um, so there's a freshman lefty that looks good. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's out of the pen right now. Time. Let him play. We got a freshman first round. There was a first round draft pick that turned it down. Whatever his name is, yeah, Gunnar Hoagland. Yeah, this, he's starting Just right now. Give him time. Let him figure it out. Yep, I agree. Dillard. I mean, it's easy to say. It sounds like I'm just jumping on the bandwagon now after he starts off. Starts off the year flaming hot, but if he had a monster year, like a th- over a thousand OPS, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, kind I, of set up just to rake it. I I agree with that. I think he's a very uh, very good player. What is the uh, who who's leading off? Kessinger. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've played a little bit with the uh, the two hole. Olenek got moved down. So videos bats batted second a couple of times. They're still shuffling, like we talked about, John, kind of with that extra man they have, whether it's Elko in right field uh, with Servideo at second, or you put Servideo in the outfield, you play Jacob Adams at second, and then a DH, you know, whether it's Cockrell, whether it's Elko. Fitzsimmons got to start at DH uh, over the weekend. So they're still trying to kind of shuffle around and figure out what the, I guess Bianca calls it, the best nine is going to be, but you have a lot of options. I, I think, honestly, I'm, I'm inclined at this point. Sir Videos looks so good in the outfield. Uh, he's obviously a great infielder, but Jacob Adams is, is completely serviceable to good plus player at second base. I kind of think at least your best nine defensively, I think, is Sir Video probably in center field with Olenek back in right field where he's played pretty well. 
uh, in past seasons. He's just, you know, Linux fine in center field, but Servideo, I think, could be a much better defensive center fielder. Uh, and then you put Adams at second. I think that is your best defensive setup. I don't know what you do, what that means for Elko. I don't know if that means he just battles with Cockrell for, for DH spots. I don't know. Um, but it's that, that I think is what we're moving towards probably. Yeah. That sounds like it's where it gets eventually. Yeah. And then, and then that would mean, you know, does that mean Adams batting ninth or Servideo batting ninth? That's kind of a question there. Um, Servideo, I think is very capable. I mean, Servideo, I think could probably lead off, but I don't know if Mike's going to do that. Kessinger's let off pretty much every game he's played at Ole Miss. Um, except I think when he was slumping really bad, maybe they moved him down some, but I don't know. It's it'll be. It'll, I, I think Bianco is is not is not in a huge rush to to make these final decisions. I think he's going to tinker around with it a little bit more. Yep. Which is he good. That's what have... he needs to be doing. Yep. Exactly. I don't care about win totals. Just win it. You know. Win enough to be in the field, and then go from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, then that kind of comes back to the question. You. I mean, obviously you always want to host, but after the way it went last year, is it is it necessarily if you end up as a two seed somewhere, are you really that upset about it? I don't know. I mean, you don't want that, obviously, but is there is Boys there? Field's got a major tight asshole, right? Is there bad juju there? Because is there more of a chance of going getting out of somewhere as two? I don't know. Uh, I I have no problem if they end up a, if they end up a two somewhere. Yeah, uh, that's where I'm at with Swayze in yeah. the vibe. It's pretty much this. It feels a little cursed right now, but and I mean, this team's built to go get hot and just hit their way through a regional, hit their way through a postseason series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the offense, I think, definitely. They probably have enough of an ace with Etheridge. Let's see. So let's let's let me give you some uh some tal- some Thomas Dillard stats, huh? Through let's, hear uh, let's see, through six games so far with the game seven coming up. Tomorrow on Tuesday, recording this on uh, Monday, February twenty fifth, here at the uh, the end of the shortest month, he is hitting five twenty two, the six oh seven on base percentage. He's slugging uh one point two one seven, OPS of one point eight two four, and it was up over two before he went. I think one for four in the game three there. Uh, let's see, in twenty three at bats, he has two doubles, a triple, four home runs, fifteen RBIs. Two stolen bases, only three strikeouts, and five walks. Uh, it's pretty. It's a pretty decent start. That's pretty good. Not bad. And he caught. He caught a game against Arkansas State as well. So there. Yeah, that's something that I, we didn't talk about Cooper Johnson at all in my little recap. There, he is. He has looked much better uh, in my estimation and from what I've read as a defensive catcher. Uh, maybe that he did at times last year when it seemed like he was slumping both at the plate and behind the plate. So as long as he can do his job behind the plate and be an elite defensive catcher, anything else is is just gravy. But he'll he'll be in the lineup every weekend. Um, but it does seem like they're going to try to get Dillard some starts. Behind the plate, uh, at least in the midweek game, stuff like that, and that that does open up another spot in the outfield. Whether it's for both Elko and Servideo to be out there with Adams at second, or Carl Gindel to play in the outfield, uh, some different stuff they're experimenting there. But um, yeah, that's pretty good. Also of note, I think obviously very early early season batting averages, but Ryan Olenek, another everyday player, uh, batting four thirty five. So you know, I rag on Olenek a lot. He to me has has been a rally killer a lot at times with. 
his free swinging, you know, swinging at every pitch, and he, he can he can get fooled, and even if he doesn't strike out a lot, he can give up a lot of easy outs, but he also finds those blue pits. So I think with him, uh, he's the kind of player where I think you have to watch that uh, that batting average on balls in play because sometimes it seems like he gets a lot that just drop in, and that's that's bound to catch up with him. But still, the, through six games, or uh, yeah, that's that's encouraging that he's batting four thirty five, better than starting in a slump at least. Yeah. On Cooper at two ninety four, or something. Tyler Keenan very solid, batting three twenty. Um, I think, like I said before, he's definitely benefiting from having Thomas Dillard hitting behind him. Uh, the the lineup for the most part has been Kessinger, Olenek, Keenan. Dillard, uh, Zabowski at fifth, usually um, somebody like Elko uh, at six or Cockrell, someone in there. Cooper Johnson's like your eight-hole hitter. Um, yeah. And then you have like a Servideo or uh, – who else would ever get it at, at nine? Um, yeah. So that's – I mean, like, like I talked about before the season, there's a lot of uh, a lot of offensive potential there. Um, let's see. I got some pitching stats here. Nikhazy has a zero ERA still. Uh, in three appearances, uh, he's pitched. I don't know how, how current these D1 baseball stats are, but it hasn't been 3.1 innings. I think he might have even had more than that maybe. Connor Green, like I said, has been very interesting to me. He's a senior, never got a ton out of him before now, but he looked he looked pretty good against Tulane. He has 3.1 innings pitched as well and also a zero ERA. That's a start. Austin Miller is a good option out of the bullpen. Like I already mentioned, Tyler Myers. Uh, oh, I think it was Max Chiaffi that came in after Zach Phillips and, and looked pretty shaky in that loss to Wright State. Um, but I still think, you know, Choppy's good. He was good last year, so not far from writing him off, but uh, that's who I was thinking of there. Yeah, so I, I think three of the best newcomers that we've seen out of the pen, obviously, Nikhazy, Tyler Myers, and then Caleb Hill, the freshman. Uh, I've been impressed with them for sure. Um, and then, you know, see what you can get out of Connor Green, Austin Miller, guys we've seen in the past. Jordan Fowler, um, who we talked about. Uh, you know, had a car accident, I think, in the off season. He looked really good. If you remember last year, John, and those all those midweek starts. He's a yeah. he's a lefty. Uh, he played really well in the SEC tournament. So, you know, I think he'll he'll find it at some point and get. Right now, he's he's struggling a little bit, but I do think he had a uh, he contributed some in relief. Uh, I want to say it was during that two lane game too, and everybody was getting barreled up. So that probably contributes to his six, seven, five ERA. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I think he'll probably figure it out at some point. I have read, I think it was Parham, Chase Parham, who has great, uh, almost baseball coverage, uh, that Holston, Greer Holston is not even capable of contributing right now for whatever reason, whether it's lost velocity or something like that. So that's, uh, something to, to, I guess, pencil in there is, um, we expected Holston to at least contribute, you know, I guess, middle relief innings or midweek starts or something. So yeah. that's nothing. So, you know, once Etheridge gets back, I don't know what's going to happen with the starting rotation necessarily. After Etheridge, it's been shaky, I guess, to say the least. But Roth is someone that's capable of starting on the weekends. Obviously, they think Zach Phillips and then the freshman, Gunnar Hoagland, all have that potential as well. Um I, I think starting pitching is probably your biggest your biggest question mark because outside of those guys, I don't know who you turn to necessarily. Um, you know, maybe somebody like Connor Green. I don't know. Maybe he could. I don't know. But that's I think that's something to watch moving forward is uh is just the starting rotation and then kind of the the defensive shuffles and all that and see how the batting order shakes out. But I'm not really I'm not worried about the offense. Uh, I don't have, I'm trying to pull up their team stats here, but they're looking uh. 
they're looking good i think um at least run scores run scored wise they have scored let me see just other seasons so they have 10 runs in game one five runs 15 runs six runs 12 runs six runs so no game with less than six runs or sorry one game with five runs two games with six runs and then uh three games in double digits so at least so far they've they've been fairly consistent they haven't had any complete you know games they just look ice cold so we'll see long beach state this weekend is interesting i don't think that they're very good just like they weren't very good last year what old miss went out there uh yeah so i just pulled up long beach state's record they are oh and seven on the year got swept at florida lost to san diego and got swept at home against nevada so honestly you don't want to drop any of the games this weekend this is you know i think tulane and wright state are are, are going to be much more respectable losses on the line i don't think that uh Ole miss can afford to lose any of this weekend um obviously it's just one game it's baseball if you lose a game it's whatever in the long run it's not the postseason but I think if I think you expect Ole Miss to sweep this weekend at home uh, against what looks to be a pretty a pretty uh, dead Long Beach State team. Not much of a pulse here, so look for that. The UT Martin tomorrow. Um, I assume that is a night game, and not it's it, it surely is not a school game yet. Even though they play UT Martin a lot of school games, it's probably a little too cold for that. So I expect Tennessee Martin game starts sometime in the afternoon, uh, and then we can switch gears, John, because tomorrow night. Uh, Ole Miss basketball in the pavilion. Oh, sorry, Wednesday night. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Wednesday night, number seven, Tennessee, coming to Oxford uh, to face off uh, with Kermit Davis. Could be could be an interesting game. They just lost to LSU. Um, they've they've shuffled a little bit. They they're now have three losses on the season. Uh, they lost to Kentucky, obviously, and then what? Early in the year, who they lose to Kansas? I want to say yeah, they lost to Kansas back in November. Um, so I think people have questions about how good Tennessee really is. Their schedule gets so much harder here at the end. They, they faced Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, um, LSU, Ole Miss, Kentucky again, Mississippi State, Auburn. Those are some of the last games in the SC slate. So, uh, you know, I think, I don't think you can necessarily expect Kermit Davis to win that game, but at home should be a good crowd. You know, anything could happen. It would be a huge feather in his cap. Uh, a signature win for sure, and absolutely Ole Miss would have the, the tournament berth locked up at that point. Not that I think there's really much of a chance they'll miss the tournament now. They've been taking care of business when they had to uh, since we last spoke. They beat Missouri at home, lost South Carolina on the road, kind of a back-and-forth game. They really got away from it at the end, but not a bad loss. Uh, and then they eked out a win against Georgia this past Saturday. There's a lot going on around that game um i don't know did you get a chance to, you you might have been you were busy that day huh john you were up in the national parks right didn't get a chance to watch uh i kind of followed the end of it and from it on the court from the team was probably distracted because of the off the court stuff we'll get to here in a minute potentially yeah but i'll say this that's the game that andy kennedy always screwed up and lost yeah either Miss the tournament or put his ass on the bubble or do whatever. And maybe sometimes it's just luck and how the ball bounces or whatever, but they sure. won they won by a point. It's a win. They're nine and five. Mm-hmm. And if they go two and two down the stretch, they're going to Nashville, locked in the tournament. Yep. 
If they go one and if they go one and three down the stretch, they're probably still in. They just need to go win a game in Nashville. You, to make even it, yeah, even if they didn't, they might still be in because the bubble is very soft. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason to lose to Arkansas oh, and Missouri. Exactly. Yeah. Just got, what's Arkansas's record at this point? Um, let's see, Arkansas. See, let me, I'm gonna go ahead and pull up some net ratings here. Because um, I was looking like, I mean, there's a lot of bad. There's some. There's some name brands with terrible records in the league right now. Mm-hmm. So Arkansas is 77 in the net. Uh, they're 14 and 13 overall. Let's see in conference. That's a good question. Sorry, they don't have that on the NCAA's net site available. Slip my mind. Yeah, here we go. Here, I see standards. Um, Arkansas is five and nine in conference. And ten and Let's, six at home. Yep. They are on a five-game losing streak. So they're falling apart. Uh huh. But yeah, back to the Georgia game. Uh, you know, Georgia is not a bad team from a personnel standpoint. It's not a great matchup for Ole Miss with some of their, their post players. They looked really good at times during the game. Uh, honestly, you know, maybe they'll be really good at some point under cream, but I have not been super impressed by cream and what I've seen from him this season. Uh, you know, not just saying dumbass shit off the court, but also just in game coaching. I mean, I, I don't know. He's, he hasn't impressed me. Uh, but you know, still it's a, uh, it's, it was, it was pretty much a must win on paper. It was going to really, uh, ding you to have a home loss like that. Uh, and like you said, sometimes it's luck. Um, it, they, Georgia could have easily won. They were down by one point with four or five seconds, I think, to inbound it on their side of the court. Uh, you know, play good defense, force them to dribble it around, jack up a three that bricked out or didn't even brick out, just kind of went off the side of the rim. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it was kind of bad luck to be in the situation because Tyree had two shots, uh, and he missed the first of the one and one that wouldn't have made it a three-point game going into that possession. And he's such a good free-throw shooter. So it's not just like they only got all the good breaks. You know, they, they it, was a, it was a struggle for sure. Um, but, you know, it was a good – Did you? here's a question before we talk about the other off-the-court stuff. Did you see Andy Kennedy interviewing Tyree after the game on, uh, on SC Network? No, I did not see this. Oh, you should definitely you – should, you should look it up. Uh, Ole Miss basketball, I think – tweeted it out uh it is extremely heartwarming they both really like each other a lot and it was uh yeah andy kennedy just looked super happy to be talking to him really proud of him he said you know i i always thought that you could be a guy that could be first team all league and you're you're gonna do it you're doing it now and i'm proud of you man all that stuff and it was it was a very heartwarming moment uh they they asked uh the other anchor on sec now or sc network asked tyree if he had any andy kennedy stories he could he could share and he said something about, you know, like not for TV and Andy Kennedy said, yeah, those might be a little more HBO, HBO rated than a SEC network. That was pretty funny. Um, Andy Kennedy is just so good on on TV. I think he's really in his element, uh, crushing it. So happy for him too. He seems, he seems to be enjoying himself. Um, that was fun. So let's, should we talk about, obviously the biggest story around Ole Miss basketball has been what happened before the game. Uh, and, and additionally, how Ole Miss and Kermit Davis handled it after the game. Uh, of course, if you're not aware, there was some uh, controversy, I guess you could say. There's uh, some 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 people that are just ignorant rednecks. I don't know any other way to say it. We're doing a whole 
Confederate march and rally in Oxford. I'm sure you've heard about it if you listen to this show. Uh, last Saturday, they were they started out on the square, had all their flags and all that stuff. They marched through town onto campus to the Civil War Memorial on campus, and it was you know there were counter protesters. I don't think it was honestly a huge thing. I saw pictures. There were maybe 40 of them, probably about as many or maybe a couple dozen more counter protesters just kind of heckling them. Uh, but still, it got a lot of news coverage. I don't know if you saw, John, the day before. There were some uh, ambiguous threats that were made. They, uh, some classes ended up getting canceled in certain buildings on campus thanks to some stuff that these dumbasses had posted on their Snapchat or whatever. Um, so obviously, everybody on campus was aware of it, including the basketball team. Um, near the National Anthem, uh, some players, I think it's been reported now that Devontae Schuler was the first uh, took a knee, obviously. That's something that's been in the zeitgeist now for a couple years. Colin Kaepernick. All of that, kneeling near the National Anthem. Several other players joined him. Uh, I think eight in the end. Uh, Bruce Stevens. Tyree joined at the very end. Uh, a few other people that I'm just... I don't remember. It doesn't really matter, I don't think. Which players kneeled. Um, so that's that's fine. I'm totally, totally cool with that. Personally, that doesn't bother me in any way. As Proud of those guys for taking a stand, you know, whatever reason they wanted to do it. After the game, uh, Tyree says it had to do with them protesting the rally. Uh, And, you know, another time, John, where I think we're going to be forced to maybe commend Ross Bjork for doing something right with the PR. Uh, And and Kermit Davis, I think, has to get credit as well for after the comments Kermit has made in the past that we talked about on the show a long time ago. He think he said the same stuff at Middle Tennessee, but when he came to Ole Miss in the opening press conference, talked about how we're going to be a team that stands for the anthem and blah, 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 and, you know, kind of made a point to say that he didn't agree with that stuff. But, you know, there's really – there's no point in creating a rift in a team that's playing well together. And I think he recognized that as much as maybe he really did believe what he said after the game where it's, you know, we support the players' rights to express their opinions that way and they were doing this because of the Confederate rally – um, there's another conversation here uh, that I think is worth at least raising. But, you know, first of all, just let me, I guess, get your thoughts on the whole story uh, before. But it was front page news here in Mississippi. The Clarion Ledger had it on the front page on Sunday, the picture of the students kneeling. It's been a little divisive, I think, for the most part, uh, the way Ole Miss handled it. Kind of took the wind out of the sails of anybody that was that upset about it. But um, and what did you think about this? Ole Miss seemed to mostly get it right. Only person I saw that was really up in arms was Dan Wilkin, which if you're, which yeah, uh, well if you're pissing Dan Wilkin off, you're probably doing something right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, but you look at Kermit's comments and everything. The the players like Kermit, and Kermit likes the players. That's mm-hmm. obvious. Mm-hmm. They have an overall very good relationship, but Kermit's firm with them, and I think I mean that. I think that whole thing probably distracted them a bit during today, but sure. I think it brings them closer together overall and kind of moving forward down the stretch here that, hey, we're going to go mm-hmm. you know, work through this as a group. And I mean, like Ross and Mullen kind of took care of it. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It, the best the best they probably could have done. I mean, you could maybe say, and this is what I was alluding to a second ago, I've heard a few complaints from people saying they're minimizing what the players did. You know, who's to say the players are only doing it because of the Confederate rally, the way that Kermit 
And Bjork said they were, but at the same well, time, well, let's see what they do after. You know, if they do right. it again, then maybe sure. it's a broader thing. But they to date, they've only done it in one game. I think has that's any other has any other college basketball team kneeled during a national anthem? This I year? I think so, but it's not not widespread by any stretch. But I, I I think there's that. That's a very fair argument. But I also think it's not like there's any player has come out and said that wasn't what it was. In fact, Tyree specifically said. That is what it is. He tweeted that out, essentially. Um, it had to do with what was going on campus. as a one-game thing. He said in the press conference, and he said uh, on SEC uh, Network that it wasn't something he anticipated would continue. But I was really impressed. I mean, I've been impressed all season with Tyree's leadership and his maturity. Uh, I thought the way he handled it um, was at least – it was, it was very smart from a PR standpoint, and I thought it kind of minimized any potential backlash that, that could have come their way. You know, if if that really wasn't what the players were thinking, like Schuler and uh, Bruce Stevens, the earlier players, you know, maybe that will create sort of a division. But as of now, I see no reason to believe that that isn't truly what was going on. And if the only player comment that we have about it is from Tyree saying it had to do with that, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take him at his word. Um, so I was impressed. I was impressed with Tyree, like I said, and also impressed with Kermit. I think it was the right call as a coach and the right thing to do as just, you know, someone that cares about the players and doesn't want to throw them under the bus or anything like that. Uh, and then, like I said, Bjork and the university kind of getting behind Kermit and, and uh, Tyree and what they said and basically echoing all of that and amplifying it. Um, it. It could have been handled about a million times worse. So, uh, props, props to them. Props to Bjork. I hate saying it. Yeah, we can essentially move on at this point. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think if if the if if the Tennessee game is back to normal, I think that they they effectively quashed a potential scandal for once, and the only real complainer was Dan Wilkins. So, and obviously, if you read Dan Wilkins' tweets back and forth, uh, is it's clear he was just trying to grind an axe, and basically what he was saying was. Well, Kermit said in the past he didn't agree with that, and now he said it's fine this time, so what changed? Just kind of trying to stir up controversy, not really having any kind of a substantive argument about the actual issue or the new thing like that, just trying to kind of do a gotcha moment. Uh, and he's just he's kind of a pathetic guy. I mean, well, okay. Really, to me, to me, really stupid. I mean, Kermit's stance in the past has been, you know, don't disrespect the anthem, which is one interpretation of it, uh-huh. but to the – Saturday, it was, look, there was a distinct event on campus. And they and that, said that's what they're doing, and it's a one-time thing. That's what they're doing, and they're using that form to And also, people can people that, can change. I mean, Kermit doesn't have to – I'm sure there's lots of things that he said before that he doesn't necessarily believe in. I didn't, get on, I didn't get on – I don't know what the Ole Miss Spirit or Rivals Board or anybody – I mean, has there been any real backlash against it? I didn't really about? either, but I think – like I said before, I think the way that Kermit and Tyree and Bjork all handled it, uh, kind of any it took the wind out of the sails of anyone that was on, on the fence. You know, it kind of made it so if you got mad at the kids, you're basically and I saw a lot of people making this thing where if you're more mad at the kids kneeling than at the racist Confederate flag supporters, then that says something about you. It kind of set up that whole dichotomy where uh, it wasn't at all a referendum on. Kaepernick or Neilan or the anthem was a referendum on the Confederate flag waivers and all that stuff. So that makes it, in my opinion, a much easier kind of. There's, there's no, and to me, obviously, there's no moral gray area in either of the situations. But I think for a lot of people, especially in the Ole Miss fandom, 
uh, it's an easy decision to kind of distance yourself from the kind of people that had that rally in Oxford, uh, and that made it easy to, to be on the side of the players. I don't think there was a ton of, of controversy about it, honestly. Um, here's a question. Did we talk? Yeah, I think I think last time we talked. Sorry, I'm, do you have anything else to say about basketball? I'm kind of changing gears here. I think we kind of no, said it all. No, I'm good. Yeah. I'm to remember if last time we talked, if, uh, if, if Sumrall had left her Kentucky yet, the linebackers coach. No, I don't think that's new news. It's definitely not new news, but uh, yeah. Oh, I don't, actually, I don't think we talked about it. Probably not, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting for sure. That's kind of really the only football uh, stuff we've heard about. Um, you know, kind of for a, a mostly positive offseason for Matt Luke, that's kind of the first um, chink in the armor we've seen in a while because uh, it seemed that he left just for a more stable position probably. I don't know how much he didn't like working under – Mike McIntyre or, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that, what that dynamic was, but other than that, it would seem like he's taking a lateral position at as it is his alma mater. He went to Kentucky, but it would seem that maybe it has to do with job security, uh, and not feeling the same situation that he has, uh, at Ole Miss under Luke. So that was interesting. I think they are having football spring football practice. The NFL combine is this week, correct? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I'll see. Let me see what days it is here. Um, I know it's this week. I saw DK and AJ Brown all jacked up. I mean, yeah, looking looking all crazy. Uh, yeah, pretty good looking roids, I have to say. (laughs) Starts tomorrow on the twenty sixth. Runs through Monday. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, there's a lot of oldest players there. It'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, who has the best? I think AJ Brown and DK Metcalf probably both do really well. Demarcus Lodge will probably have a good combine as well so i mean there's 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 no downside to old miss for your former players looking good at the combine and then hopefully getting drafted uh high you know that's only good for your recruiting and program down the line so you know oh you well you say that obviously we all remember the 2016 draft and old miss we'll see if they can have a couple multiple first rounders and uh, without a terrible conspiracy. i mean houston yeah. nut was able to do it so yeah i mean See it is kind of funny. Like, has has anyone other than Ole Miss in recent years managed to have three people drafted in the first round while completely destroying the program in the same night? I don't know. It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty unique uh, kind of we are Ole Miss moment back in 2016. There, classic we are Ole Miss. That was that was classic. The one, my one comment on Summerall yeah. is, I'm sure he's. I mean, seemed like a good coach, but. There's always a lot of hype, like, oh, he's a great coach. I think that was kind of uh-huh. there around grasping for storylines. Uh-huh. And, well, it's also the – it was the white savior a little bit. Uh, you know, you had a terrible defense, Coach Wesley McGriff, but it's like, yeah, but we got this We got this linebacker coach that uh, really, really yeah. knows what he's doing. He's going to turn it around. He's going to fix it. I think Mike McIntyre will be able to go find a competent linebacker coach. Yeah, really. well, they hired Tyron Nix. To well, they hired Tyron Nix. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh-huh, but I think that does mean there's another opening somewhere. I'm not sure where they're going to end up, what side of the ball or anything, but I think one more coach to be hired in the offseason. I'm sure Wes and Dean could tell us more about that. Well, we got two too. Nixes on on the coaching yeah. staff. that's right. That's right. Derek Nix, he's the best. I guess he's the uh, – is he the last uh, – Hugh Freeze? Well, he's a holdover from the nut staff. Uh huh. And Matt Luke is a is a Hugh Freeze holdover. So what the hell does Derek Nix know? He's the cockroach. He knows. He knows everything. He knows. He doesn't know how to recruit a damn running back. I'm tired of that shit. Unless Ely actually like. Yeah, but hey, we got uh, 
We got Scotty Phillips. Uh, you know, after we after we gave Jordan Wilkins that extra red shirt year with the academics, he got a thousand yards. So maybe he's secretly a genius. Yeah. Hey, he got Woolard, dude. He got Isaiah Woolard. Oh come on! Let, let, let's get serious here. <laughs> yeah, the gray shirt. Yeah, classic. Um, yeah. Well. How was that? That's, uh, the foot, that's, the, that's the football news. That's Baseball, the football update. Just let them play. Yeah, um, keep figuring it out. Hopefully, Diller to keep breaking. Fun basketball. To watch. I mean, they've got a chance to go. I mean, they're in prime position to be headed in Nashville, just safe and sound in the tournament. At this point, is, I think it should be it should be expected almost. I mean, which is borderline, which to me is flat out remarkable. I mean, yeah, I mean they're they're minimum nine and nine in the conference, and I, I think I think ten and eight is almost guaranteed at this point. You I've know. got the SEC pulled up. Uh huh. Vanderbilt is zero and fourteen in the league. I mean, used to be a prideful program yeah i mean they had they had some rough luck darius garland georgia with rough. tom crean is one in 13 yeah, in the league they've looked pretty bad missouri's three and 11 with kwanzaa martin. martin yeah a&m's five and nine with billy kennedy arkansas arkansas five and, five and nine with mike anderson mm-hmm. bama's 500 with avery johnson auburn's 500 with bruce pearl mm-hmm. florida's eight and six with mike white so on the mike white train go go park itself yep uh, states won four in a row, eight and six, pretty much getting their way in position to be in. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're pretty much in at this point as well. Yeah, they just got to not fall apart. Um, Carolina's kind of the overachiever if you go by overall. They're, they're solidly on the bubble right now. Who, who do they lose to uh, this, on Saturday? Uh, they lost to State. Um, and South Carolina and Florida are both on the bubble, but they're they're possible. Carolina even on the bubble, I guess. Yeah, distant. I, I mean, Ole Miss uh, tied for fourth. They'd be the five seed today. And then you got 12 and LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee, all 12 and two. I mean, LSU being this good kind of. South Carolina really is, is 81 in the net, which is pretty which is pretty rough. But they, uh, they did get the win over Ole Miss. Really, they needed to beat State. If they had beat State, they would be trending up to get into the tournament. Now it's a little bit dicier. They're not. I, they have to go win in Nashville. Yeah, but they're they're the. I think Florida and Alabama's on the bubble. Uh, let's check their net. They are uh fifty three in the net. Uh, what does Auburn drop to net? Okay, so Auburn's still at twenty three. Auburn solidly in at five hundred. Um, Florida is up to Florida's at thirty one. So I think Florida's definitely in. It seems like Alabama's bubbly, maybe out a little bit, and then South Carolina's behind them. Uh, and that puts LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, six teams solidly in with uh, Alabama and Florida could be seven and eight if they found a way in. And South Carolina would be nine. Obviously not going to happen, all those teams. But nine teams that are at least mentioned at this point in the bubble conversation. Really good, really good league. It's it's tough at the bottom, but other than that, really good league. Yeah. Any, anything else we need to discuss? No, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to put anything more on it than it should be, but I am hoping for – a good game against Tennessee on Wednesday. I, I will see how well they respond to a, a heartbreaking loss to LSU. They have to come to the pavilion. Um, 
I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they'll get our best shot at least. Uh, we can we can play the kind of games we played against Auburn twice this year. The kind of game we played in Starkville. I think we'll definitely be focused. Um, so I think Cameron will have a good game plan, have a good crowd. So some 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 factors there that could make it interesting to watch on Wednesday night. So keep that in the back of your mind. And like I, like I mentioned, tomorrow, Tuesday, UT Martin baseball, um, and then more baseball this weekend. And what they go. They go to Missouri this weekend in basketball. No, to Arkansas. So, you know, that that's at least a game against a top 100 opponent uh, on the road. Bud Walton's not an easy place to play. So, uh, yeah. another opportunity for Kermit there to get a, to get a solid win. Um, yeah. yeah. So, there that's that's your that's your update for the week. That's all we got. Um, yeah. This is LSU 12 and 2 in the league. They're top of the standings. They're they're looking really good. Uh, what, LSU twenty two and five, twelve and two. What what what's the highest seed they could get? Let me pull up their net. Um, they're probably what a three right now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're fourteen in the net. Yeah, I, mean, I think they I think they are. I think they're solidly a, a three seed. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. Although I have heard that Will Wade is uh still maybe in some hot water with the uh the basketball corruption investigation so we'll see some, he just some, gets to go, he's gotta go chat some new decision yeah some new information i think today and that on that front so that's interesting yeah uh, yeah but good good for them they're they're looking good they beat kentucky and tennessee i think and then they, they beat kentucky too didn't they yeah pretty sure yeah pretty good pretty good all right well that is that for this week uh, yeah, you know all the normal stuff at the end of the show. Um, rate reviews on iTunes. Email us andstrikesafterdark at gmail dot com. Oh, here's a quick. Here's just just remember, it's been so long since we took we missed last week. Uh, Neil McMillan sent us an email, wanted to ask about our opinions on a a West versus East SEC All Star game. Obviously, the first problem is that the divisions don't exist in SEC basketball. But let's pretend like they do. Uh, that could be that could be fun for sure. Um, you know, you got Tennessee and Kentucky in the East, and you got LSU, Ole Miss, and State uh, in the West. Maybe throw an Alabama player in there. Uh, that could be cool. You know, maybe maybe in the future we'll look. Maybe at the end of the season we can look at the, what the rosters would be since it's the end of the show here. But uh, yeah, good, good good idea, Neil. That's some good pod fodder. Thank you for sending that in. Feel free to send more. Uh, Discussion points in. We will we will happily accept them. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, guys. Uh, LanternAfterDark.com, all that stuff. ArmchairAllAmericans.com, obviously. Check out our sponsors, um, my bookie and Tix Blitz. Uh, would definitely appreciate you patronizing them. Uh, but hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate that as well. Yeah, that's it for this week, guys. We'll talk to you again later. For John, I'm Justin. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.